Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's this thing on, one, two, my check, one, two. Right. And then the communication, that's your glue. Man, this is our city. This is our city, man. We did it, man. It's unbelievable. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. That trade, that Royce Young trade yesterday. Okay. Very, very strange trade. Tamper with you. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Payne. Uh-huh, uh-huh, to be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that what I just saw? I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic, here in Phase 2 of Free Agency NBA Offseason with my guys Fred Katz, Anthony Slater, East Coast, West Coast. Gentlemen, what is going on this morning? Absolutely nothing. Apparently, there have been what four signings in the last like like fifty hours. We've, we've got nothing. We've got some Serge Ibaka news and some. Don't tell the people Rockets that we got news. we got stuff. We got don't tell the listeners that we're gonna lose them right out yeah. the gate, Fred. You gotta put lipstick on the pig. I see everybody having a take on on TJ Warren signing with the Nets, and I'm like, I don't know what my take. Oh, he fits great. They needed wings. I don't know if they're gonna need wings. Don't they have to make another move before we evaluate any Nets move? Well. That's what's interesting. Why do you go to the Nets? (laughs) Here comes Slater. All right, we're going to start with that at the top. Shout out my my guy, good friend, Brian Windhorst, ESPN. Goes viral this week with his hilarious, mysterious, uh, you know, on-air kind of breakdown of the the Utah Jazz. And and that certainly bared out in terms of their strange offseason. One of the many storylines that we are going to get into today um, with this backdrop. Guys, last week when we recorded... We had a good time, like always. I thought we chopped it up pretty well and gave the people something to sink their teeth into. But that's you know about half an hour after we recorded the pod, Kevin Durant asked out for a trade. Excuse me. So we got a lot of catching up to do. Uh, we of course are going to talk about Mr. Durant and everything happening with him and the fact that you know, uh, you know, with good reason, the entire league is is conceivably coming after him. You know, where might he land? Kyrie Irving. Still in Brooklyn, still got his eyes on Lakerland, but you know a lot more did happen that again has been covered on the the other pods, but but we haven't connected in a bit here. So we got Rudy Gobert going to Minnesota, going to get into that one. Malcolm Brogdon going to Boston. You know we have contenders that got better, and then we got decent teams that became contenders, and, and that would be Boston, Minnesota, respectively, uh, to me. Um, but 
you know, since you you kind of teased the Windhorse a little bit there, Fred, let's get into the uh, the Gobert situation. When this trade happened, um, I was weirdly excited. It might be the wrong word, but like, you know, we always give this disclaimer in this business. You know, we're not out here rooting you you, you want good stories, you want good angles, you want good information, you want to tell the readers, the fans, what's going on. But Rudy Gobert and the type of player he is, and I, I am a fan of his game, I think he's a hell of a player. And the idea of seeing him in a new environment that was already full of energy, already full of talent, um, and then because it's so unorthodox in this day and age when Golden State and Boston are you know going head-to-head in the finals with you know, all these long wings and, and switching everything on defense and playing that way. Now we're going Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards, um, all the way down the line. Uh, that to me was not only a, a fantastic move for Minnesota and their new head of their front office, Tim Conley, but, but ballsy enough that it's just going to make it so much fun to watch to see if it actually works. I don't agree. Yeah. Don't let's hear it. Move. No, I just uh, first of all, I think they gave up an an insane amount for Rudy Gobert. I mean, three unprotected Minnesota Timberwolves picks. Let me underline that Minnesota Timberwolves picks that These the Warriors enjoyed Timberwolves. recently with it becoming Jonathan Kaminga and a pick swap. Um, so uh, that's a lot for Rudy Gobert, which you know I'm not sure that the rest of the league was ready to throw that type of package together for Rudy Gobert. So I'm not sure who you were bidding against to go that high. Uh, And, you know, every single person I've talked to in the league has said, they're probably going to be a really good regular season defense. What is going to happen in the playoffs to a Towns Gobert front line? Right. Which one of those two are you probably going to have to take off the floor when your season's on the line? Uh, and they're both $200 million men. I'm just not sure I love the roster construction. I'm not sure with Anthony Edwards only being 20, 21 years old, it was the time to go all in with all your assets. And I just think three years from now, four years from now, we could be looking back at this move as a bad one. Interesting how history repeats itself. For basically a decade and a half, we've kind of had a For a decade and a half at different points, we've had different unprotected Minnesota Timberwolves picks turn into like the ultimate currency that you try to get, right? Like Slater, you referenced the one that that the Warriors got in the D'Angelo Russell deal for for Wiggins and they got an unprotected first. It became Jonathan Kaminga until they made that pick. Remember, that was always like if the Warriors want to swing big for a star – they can use that Timberwolves unprotected pick to make it happen. And it then was like top four, I should say, but oh, top it, four. Sure. Regardless, it became lightly protected. Yeah. And then like years ago, probably 15 years ago, the Timberwolves uh, traded Marco Yarich to the Clippers and they ended up including a top protect or an unprotected first round pick. That was the pick that went to New Orleans in the Chris Paul deal that landed the Clippers' Chris Paul. So it's like we, we've always got a lightly or unprotected Minnesota Timberwolves pick out there that teams are going to try to use to get something. I It's so many picks that I think it actually completely realigned. Like there's inflation now on the trade market purely because of that trade. Like I think there's no way that Brooklyn can look at that deal. It was three unprotected firsts. It was... It wasn't just three unprotected first because it was also a top five protected, which is really lightly protected. Like you can get like a legitimately good lottery pick out of that. It's an unprotected swap, which could turn into something really good. It's uh, Walker Kessler or Kessler Walker. I, I, I reverse the name. It really should be Walker <laughs> Kessler. <laughs> who, By all who's, means, Fred, who, do, do whatever you need to do with, with a human being's name. 
<laughs> it was a, a first-round first the, the two first names really kills me. Like, it should be George Paul, not it's Paul a firsty George. firsty just, Remember uh, from was that Office Space? What movie was that? Yeah, firsty-firsty. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's just, it's so many first round picks. I think it realigned the market. Like Brooklyn cannot trade Kevin Durant for, for less than Utah got for Rudy Gobert. But at the same point, if you're another team trying to trade for Kevin Durant, like there's a point of diminishing returns where you're just like, we can't give up every single pick and every single swap and every single young player just because Utah got a ton for Rudy Gobert. Like if I'm Sam Presti, for example, who has every pick until the end of time, I'm like, damn, are my picks worth less now? Because most of their picks are are protected that they've gotten from other teams, at least a little bit. And like we see unprotected going in the Gobert trade. We see two unprotected going in the DeJounte Murray trade. Like the market is kind of sort of realigning in a way I didn't really expect where unprotected picks are flying everywhere. No, I hear just, all of that, and that's a good breakdown by both you guys. I think for me, um, and I'm admittedly pulling up the Timberwolves franchise index here on Basketball Reference, uh, for me, there's just a different prism, a different filter that I will look at a team like Minnesota through, and maybe it's my six degrees of Sacramento brain, and, and the idea that this is one of those franchises that has 40 been, wins! Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll get into that too. I still, I didn't watch the video. I saw people tweeting about it. But yeah, like it, you're talking about two playoff appearances uh, since 2004 in Minnesota. Um, never gotten out of the first round during that time. Um, trades of this magnitude, the trade that gets you potentially into some sort of contender status, are never going to make sense. You know, people in Sacramento know that you're going to pay you know, a 20, 30% premium on free agents to get them to come to town. That's I think similar in Minnesota because no offense, our winters are not nearly as brutal out here as they are in Minnesota. This is not a place where you get elite basketball players to come in free agency. And I hear you Slater on the Edwards front. I think you also have got to remember that with towns, he's quote unquote, only 26 right now, but he's got, you know, there's kind of some dog years there. You got some, some years in Minnesota, where he was one of those guys. In the beginning, it was, you know, is he too, uh, too good to be there? Is he going to ask out? Then it was like, man, he's getting paid a lot of money and he's not getting the job done. But he's got miles, baggage, you know, failure, heartache, all that stuff, where I think waiting until Carl Anthony Towns is, is 28, 29 to dive in uh, with these assets, you know, timeline-wise, you might be a little ahead of it on the Edwards front, but, but Towns, I think, is a different story. I just... The one thing we haven't seen the Kings do, and it's not like I'm sitting here about to, you know, explain why the Kings are so so well run, but um, they haven't just thrown away an unprotected future. Like the fact that it was just like maybe it, I would feel a lot better if these were like top eight protected I mean, or something. It's just they're, they're. I mean, I'll throw it back at you with this: like they're pretty tied up with their picks for quite some time. Not to the degree now in Minnesota, but like they have had. It's been like the the leaky faucet, you know, approach where it's. My, you know, micro move, micro move, micro move. And you look up and, you know, most of your picks are gone going forward. So, but there's not the excitement and the, the kind of possibilities that I think you're seeing in Minnesota. They could have a good team. And Fred kind of joked about it. There's this video of a Kings fan saying, we're going to win 40 games this year. Um, I mean, in basketball wise, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to blow up and be terrible. But, um, but I think, you know, Rudy is, well, he's an incredible like the, player. But the Kevin Herter deal that just went is a good uh, reminder. I'm trying to look at what exactly the, pre yeah, okay. The, um, 
it was a lottery protected first rounder that they sent to the Hawks for Kevin Herter. Protect your picks. I just don't like my concern for the for the Wolves. Yeah, this feels this feels great in the moment. They're a better team next regular season for sure. I mean, I think they'll probably have a really good regular season defense because they have Rudy Gobert. But um, there's a chance that Anthony Edwards is 23, 24, 25 years old. And, you know, this has not worked well. Yeah, maybe they made a couple second-round playoff appearances. I'm not ready to call them a contender with this core. But then they're sitting there, and, and Edwards is really, you know, rising into, like, top 10 potential status in the league. And he's sitting there, and none of their picks are going anywhere. Suddenly, he wants out in 2026. And they're, and they're like, you know, kind of where the Nets are right now, where their entire future draft is controlled by the Rockets to the point that they could make some pivot trades that would make sense with Kevin Durant, yet they kind of don't because they can't rebuild. And it's just so dangerous not to protect your your top picks. At least, you know, I mean, they tried to top four protect one and they lost Kaminga, but um, I just, that's the part I'm like, I couldn't believe how unprotected these picks are. That's all. So we, we we've talked a lot about just evaluating the actual trade. But but when you make a trade like this, like you're you're basically saying at some point, like we're all in at some point. It doesn't have to be in the 22, 23 season because Gobert is locked up for four more. And Anthony Edwards is only entering his third season. And they just extended Cat to us on a Supermax deal. So they got him locked up for a long time. So it doesn't necessarily have to be next season. But at some point in the next year or two or three, they got to really, truly be an actual contender for the title. Do we think that they're anywhere close to that after this deal? And if not, is there any way that they can get there? I mean, like Slater, I, I've learned so many times to not handicap the the paper, not even paper champions, but paper contenders that, I mean, again, like we could run this thing back in six months and chuckle about it because they're fighting for the play-in. I doubt that's the case. Um, if only because Edwards and Towns are fantastic. West Slater is thinks West, West is, is stacked. stacked. If you start going down the names, no, they are, they are. But I mean, I'm, I'm on the, I'm for sure on the side of they're stacked, and I think Minnesota is is part of, you know, the strength of the West. Um, I think they're going to be good, and and maybe you know, I watched too much this Rudy. Is my, this I is think, just my question to Sam I, though, like yeah. because I think part of what I, I guess I'm trying to argue on this deal is like I just felt like they lost the negotiation aspect of this deal. I'm not saying don't go after Rudy Gobert, but like. If you're in these negotiations and look again, I'm not I'm I don't know the landscape of the league, you know, as intimately as the people inside of it obviously do. But if you just try to, you know, get those picks protected or get a little bit better deal for Rudy Gobert and you just say no to that offer, like the Jazz can't really pivot. Like, I don't know. Do you think the Jazz could have pivoted and got this kind of deal from anywhere else? Or I mean, a a little bit harder ball and not give up so much. The Jazz, to their credit. You know, and they have an evolving front office. You know, they just added David Fisdale to it, Danny Ainge running it, Justin Zanuck. Um, they, you know, right. I don't know if this was really the case, but they presented themselves in the kind of way where you have the leverage of we could just run it back. Like, you know, that they had not given up on the idea of just, you know, first of all, not trading Rudy. So that that's going to give you some leverage, even if it's a it's a one team race. Now, for me, you heard some chatter about Toronto being involved with Rudy, so I don't know what kind of talks might have happened there. And, and like you said, it's always hard to analyze this stuff because you don't know exactly what was in front of the Jazz at that time. You don't know who the the, the Wolves were negotiating against. But I, I hear you for sure. But just basketball-wise, as I pull up the West standings, and this is maybe a good pivot here, 
before we jump over to Boston and the East is, is the West at large guys. Um, you know, you talk about your defending champion warriors, give them the hat tip of, uh, the respect of being at the top of, of the, uh, power rankings here. You got Memphis, you got the Clippers getting Kawhi back that, you know, for sure title contender. Uh, I mean, Dallas all of a sudden falls down a bit now with, with Jalen Brunson heading to the Knicks. Um, you know, and the jazz fall down, but Denver's going to be healthy again. Pelicans with Zion. Um, Lakers, I do think eventually are going to have Kyrie Irving on their team. I would, that's, I would handicap that to be the case. Um, you know, you got your Phoenix Suns, which are in flux or who are in flux because of the Aiden situation. It's worth getting into in Minnesota. You know, I think looking pretty good. So it is stacked. I mean, it's going to be one of those years where one through six might be separated by three or four games. I mean, I think Minnesota's best chance, maybe not next year, but at least down the road, two years down the line, three years down the line, is that Anthony Edwards becomes a top 10 player, which is, that's possible. I mean, it he's no, yeah. he's kind of on that track right now. And and he's the kind of player who, if he's a top 10 player, like he's a big wing top 10 player. You know, it's not like he's some six foot point guard who looks like he's got tremendous potential. Like you've got a potential two way absolute like top tier star who could be on the way with the considering the way that he's played and by the way who was unbelievably impressive in the playoffs last year just absolutely no fear in that guy whatsoever i, I thought i thought you were about to say he was unbelievable in the netflix movie hustle he was a <laughs> he was good he was actually great in, yeah. in hustle yeah. i really Hustle's i a really thoroughly good movie, enjoyed him i have no problem so, oh, i thought it was hustle. really it was yeah. I thought it was really good. Uh, but, but with Minnesota, point he was that. also, Minnesota, hold on, I got to jam just, this in there. He was also incredible yeah. in the, uh, you guys see that video clip of him throwing like a 70-yard bomb a while yes, back? Yes, that Tom My Brady retweeted. God. Yeah, unbelievable talent he's, for days. He's an outrageous athlete. But like he, him becoming a top 10 player is, I, I don't know if it's definitely happening or definitely not happening, but like I'm not ruling that out. That is supremely possible he's 21 years old and the other thing with minnesota that's going to be really interesting in the short term they're the way that they play their defense is going to be good because they have rudy gobert like it's as simple as that but the way that they defend is going to be totally different than it was last year because patrick beverly and jared vanderbilt allowed them to play this extremely aggressive style like tons of handsiness on the perimeter a lot of trapping ball screens all of that and now with gobert there those guys are gone. They're out in the Gobert deal and Gobert comes in and they're going to pl- have to like totally reform just the way they play defense because you're going to play to Rudy Gobert's strength now instead of the strength of those two guys who are your two best defenders in your starting lineup. Two two things as I continue down the road of being like the Minnesota hater side of this uh, debate. I agree with the Edwards take that you had, and it, but it's a little bit of what I said earlier. He he is only 20. If he is going to be a top 10 player, it's probably not till he's at least 24, 25. We're talking about 2026, 2027. I just think they went all in too early. That would be my... I think they got a taste of the playoffs, had new ownership in, and we're like, all the chips are yeah, going that's in. Fair. Like, we should sure mention the new ownership. The right hand yes, yet. this is very much... Yeah. We're going to go splashy and pay above market value for Tim Conley, you know, uh, which is definitely something they did. Then we're going to go splashy and do the big deal. It's Alex Rodriguez, Mark Lord. They're coming in. They're taking over. Absolutely, that was a factor. All right. Hey, and what the second are we? Thing yeah. On the to to your like, I'm just worried about Gobert's lack of offensive touches on this team. I mean, you, we all remember what type of problem that was in in Utah, uh, and it's just like he's playing next to Towns, Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. 
He's not. What is I, Gobert's usage rate? I don't know if he's going to care, and I don't think he will. That's kind of one of the things I like is that it for Gobert and Towns, it, it takes some pressure off that I think has dogged them in the past. That Rudy, you know, and that that one-two punch of he and Donovan, which was really good, but like that the narrative and the optics of well, you know, because that they didn't have a high-level third option all the time. Should Rudy have been getting more touches in Minnesota? He's got to know, like, listen, big fella, just be unleashed defensively and you have you know stronger wing defenders around you in minnesota than you did in utah which everybody always glosses over that part of, of rudy's you know kind of infamous clippers ending in the playoffs a couple years ago um and then with towns taking that rim protection responsibility away to a degree i think is big and and, and carl i think you got to be a little careful i don't want to see you know, seven three-pointer a game, Carl. So offensively, I'm really curious to see, you know, how do they run it so that you don't go back to those days where where, where he's never just getting down in the paint and, and it's going to get a little clogged down there. So that, I think, is a bit of a concern. But just taking those responsibilities away from those guys that have, I think held them down in the past, I think is good. I'm not totally and completely convinced that D'Angelo Russell will be there through the end of this season, too. Like, they could they could easily decide to move on from him. I don't know what kind of deal that would be. I don't know what that would bring Buck back. I mean, he's on a really expensive contract, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if they if they moved on from him at some point to try to adjust the roster. That could be Andrew Andrew Wiggins in a pick, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man, oh man, a shot all the way from California. I just I just felt like I needed to wrap up the whole podcast or the whole Timberwolves segment of the podcast with another shot because I just definitely took the anti-Timberwolves side of that <laughs> debate. So <laughs> moving on on first take, what are we going to do next? Moving on, moving on. Uh, I'm going to jam in a quick ad break here, gentlemen. On the other side of the break, uh, let's talk Kevin Durant and we're going to pepper in some Durant chatter, I think, throughout this podcast and, and we'll start. Uh, out east and and kind of mesh it with a Boston conversation and talk about that Malcolm Brogdon trade too. But uh, trying to figure out where Mr. Durant might go next, and we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. 
Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm going to tell you something happened yesterday. The league executives were wondering what the heck it means, and it happened within five minutes. In fact, Adrian, the tweet right before, mm-hmm. Adrian tweeted about Durant. He tweeted something else. It was a trade yesterday a trade between yesterday. the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets. Very strange trade. Very strange trade. Very strange trade. You'd really have to be a Jazz or a Nets fan to even know what I'm talking about right now. Okay. I don't even know if I'm you guys know. Very okay. They traded Royce O'Neal, who is a role-playing three-point defensive shooter, to Brooklyn for a future first-round draft pick. And so you're going, well, why do you care about Royce O'Neal? Why does that matter? Why would the Jazz do that? Why would, Why would the Jazz, the Jazz who have two stars on their roster, take a player who's one of their starters and best defensive players, trade him in a salary dumping? Why would they do that? To open up what? space to try to land Kevin? No. You say, Why did Why Quinn, Quinn Snyder, Snyder walk away from that job? Okay. And you say, When Danny Ainge, last time he hired a coach, Brad Right. What happened that same year? What did he do when he hired this young coach who never coached the NBA? And he gave him a long contract. He gave Brad Stevens a six-year contract. Will Hardy, who they just hired, who's, you know, going to potentially be a great young coach. They gave him a five-year contract. Very Why rare for a first-time head coach. He had a five-year walk contract. Walk away from that job. Why? Why? What's going on in Utah? Why? What's going on? And that's what people in the league are watching right now. Okay. What's going on in What's Utah? going on in the Brooklyn Nets and Phoenix Suns need to find out what's going on in Utah as well. Because what else happened that first year that Brad Stevens got hired? Danny Ainge traded Why? Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Why? So that trade, that Royce Young trade yesterday. Okay. Why? It's a very strange strange trade. trade. A very strange trade. A very strange trade. Why? All right, gents. So, um, you know, we know with Kevin that that our understanding is that Phoenix uh, is at the top of his list. Makes a lot of sense. I wrote about not only the basketball side of that and really more so some of the relationship side the other day and, and just reminding people that his relationship with Monty Williams, the Suns head coach, is extremely close. Good relationship. Played on Team USA with Devin Booker. You know, respects the heck out of Chris Paul. So it, we know why that might happen. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Aiden, and, and we'll get to that some point in this pod. But I want to throw it out to Boston. Our colleague Joe Varden had written a, a piece today looking at Boston and Miami and the question of should they be getting in on Durant. And so, you know, regardless of your opinion there, the idea that Boston, to put the spotlight on them for a minute, you know, comes within two wins of winning an NBA championship and has a formula that, you know, obviously worked pretty damn well uh didn't work well enough they didn't get the job done 
but they certainly choose to retool. They add Malcolm Brogdon via trade with the Pacers. Um, you know, I'm curious your guys' thoughts there in terms of Marcus Smart coming off Defensive Player of the Year, uh, having a fantastic year, and then always, you know, occasionally having these offensive uh, hiccups and spurts that, that, you know, I think compelled the Celtics to go do the Brogdon trade in terms of how they function offensively. But still, I don't want to take too much oxygen out of the room if that makes sense, with Marcus. Um, so they make that move, you know, and then in the background, whether it's Boston, anybody else, you have this Durant possibility that is going to tempt every team, no matter how good they are. The Warriors, you know, Marcus Thompson wrote about how even the Warriors, you know, have been kicking that idea around. Um, but let's start on the, on the Boston side there. How do you guys see where they're at, the Brogdon trade, and that that question about Durant? I think that Boston has the ability to... Uh, if they really wanted to go all in on Durant offer potentially the best available player, singular player in Jalen Brown. Now there's no way to get that deal done without Jalen Brown. Just like if you, the reason why I, I just doubt Miami's abilities because you know, their talk there is like, yeah, you know, get him to pair him with Jimmy Butler and bam. And it's like, okay, so like you're building a package around Tyler hero for Kevin Durant. Like that just doesn't, right. I don't think appeal enough to, to Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, look, Jalen, like I said, is there a better player out there that you think Brooklyn could possibly get than Jalen Brown? Not particularly. I mean, if I'm Boston, I think I think the most likely way that I do it is if I get the feeling that Jalen Brown is going to be gone in a couple of years. Now, he's extension eligible this summer, so maybe you get somewhat of an idea in that. The thing is, Jalen Brown could turn that down and still have every intention of coming back to Boston because he might feel like he can get a max or close to a max in in free agency in a couple of years, and and the Celtics' offer to him would be much cheaper than 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 an actual max. They can only offer him a certain amount of money. Uh, but but if I'm them, I don't know. There is a a common concept in team building of just extending your window, and for as long as this core has been together they're still really young. Like Jalen Brown just entered his prime. Jason Tatum has been in the league since 1972 and he's only 24. Like <laughs> this core could be together for a really long time and years from now could still be in their primes. So there's, there's something to, and, and they played better last year than they ever have. I mean, I just think there's something to being able to extend your window. And with Durant, there's no question that Durant is a better player than anybody who's there, but he's got the injury history, which I don't think you can necessarily overlook. And you're going to have to give up stuff. And just considering his age, he's going to be 34 at the start around the start of next season. It just doesn't extend your window. It's a short term go for it move. Totally makes sense for Phoenix because your window is, is only as good as Chris Paul is um, totally makes sense for pretty much every other team with, with Boston. It's just more like, what can you get him for? Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I understand. That's one of the few situations in the league where I kind of understand being a little wary about bringing in Kevin Durant, who I still think has a case is the best player in the league. Well, the argument against would be um, they, unlike the other teams, like they might be the favorite entering next season. They were just that close to a title. They added Brogdon, which felt like short up a weakness. Like they could truthfully believe they could win next season without the Durant move. Whereas I think a lot of these other teams would need to make the Durant move to get in the conversation. Argument four though, would be Sam. we were there for the finals. 
a main reason they didn't win is they didn't have a top 10 player. Like Jason Tatum just didn't play like a top 10 player. Uh, and, and Durant is one. It was so unfortunate. They, they had a think, top hey, 10 look, player in just, the conference finals and then he disappeared. Yeah. But you know, if, if they just believe, Hey, history tells you, you have to have like, you know, the upper crust type player to get over the top in the finals, which the Warriors clearly had with Steph Curry, you know, that would be the argument of like, you just got to get a one a in here. If, the, if there's a belief like Tatum just might not be able to push into that stratosphere and that might be what holding them back. To me, that's a, that's a tough gamble to take. Tatum still, yeah, even with his struggles in the finals, looks like a guy who's on that track. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll learn from the finals experience. You know, I would, I would probably fall on the side of them not doing it. I, I like what they have going. And I think, you know, defensively, I know we were focused on Durant, and I guess not just defensively, both ends of the floor. How do you guys, let's say they don't do something like Durant. What are our thoughts on on the Brogdon, you know, addition to this group? Because I, I understand it, but I'm I'm big on the nuance of the Marcus Smart experience. The, how hot he runs, his, his aggression, and how important it is for what they do. But we also know they've got years of kind of hot and cold baggage with, with him kind of pushing the young guys. Sometimes they get inspired by it and they're hearing him. Sometimes they're, they're tired of him and they, they want to be on the other side of the locker room. Like, like how does Brogdon fit into this? I, I liked it for Boston. I mean, you know, Jared, it sounds like he's going to come off the bench. You know, our own our colleague, Jared Rice, wrote about kind of Brogdon's willingness to, to be able to come off of the bench. I mean, you know, you guys talk about why they lose the finals. They didn't have a guy who played like a top 10 player. I think you could also argue why they lose the finals. They couldn't organize their offense. Like they had Jalen Brown just driving into crowds, not realizing he was driving into crowds and losing the ball or Marcus Smart making ill-advised decisions or whatever else. And I think Brogdon can really help them in that point. He's he's a heady player. He's run an offense before. He knows how to do it, but he's still really good at playing off the ball. He's worked really, really well with with you know, wings who can who can handle before. We've seen that happen in Milwaukee, and we've seen that team be incredibly successful with him doing it. And we've seen him more, more kind of take the reins in Indiana. I think the biggest risk with someone like him is just the injury history. He's played more than 60 games, I think, like one time since he came into the league, maybe twice since he came into the league. And he's obviously coming off a year where he was hurt as well. So I think the big thing for him is the injury history. But they didn't really give up that much. It was just a, a protected first and then kind of a mishmash of players. And I think it makes perfect sense. If, if he's willing to come off the bench, you can roll out with the same starting lineup. You can play him on nights when you're having those turnovers issues, when you're having those kind of organizational issues with your offense. He could be someone who's more stabilizing. And then you have him and you have Derek White and you have Marcus Smart, and it just kind of gives you a little more optionality. And by the way, he's a two-way player who can – who can shoot. So, so congrats. You got yourself another guy who teams can't really exploit on either end. I, I, I really liked it for them. If you're willing to pay the price. Yeah. Yeah. Fred went through all the correct basketball reasons why it does make sense as a move. Sam, to your point uh, it, on the Marcus smart front and like the delicate nature of that, it does feel like they're already trying to like message out there like smarts, the starting point guard. This is for, you know, right. backup, but you know, duty. Right. So you could tell they're massaging that already, but it not only does it, make sense on a basketball perspective they didn't give up much i mean that's again why we were, we were talking about earlier with the go bear sure that that's like will probably help the timberwolves next season it's just wow you gave up a lot i like boston doing this with while protecting their future well and and as i figure out where to go next in our chat here it's funny you mentioned the utah stuff 
we got all these moving parts to all these discussions. So we hypothetically talk about Durant to Boston, and that's something that, that could conceivably unfold. We just don't know. You mentioned, again, the Gobert trades later. Uh, we didn't even hit on the Donovan Mitchell part of this situation, right? Like the fact that, you know, now Donovan is out there with a team that clearly is not going to be as competitive, at least as currently constructed, as it, you know, as imperfect as the Jazz were before, this iteration is going to be significantly less competitive. So what does that mean? You hear a lot about Brooklyn wanting Donovan. You have, admittedly right now, I, I do think in the next week, hopefully we have some revelations about some of the discussions that are happening around the league because you hear ideas out there of a Donovan going to Brooklyn and maybe an Aiden finding his way to Utah, which makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, and, and then Durant maybe being part of that and going to Phoenix. We got Kyrie and the Lakers. This is a very strange offseason because the list of possibilities is long. The list of potential blockbuster situations is long. But the actual, like, intel and stuff you know, getting revealed has been slow. You know, normally at this time of year, as we sit here on July 5th, we're, you know, we're down to, like, one semi-big name free agent who were waiting to finally make their decision and everybody's waiting on the edge of their seat for that you know that i guess would be Aiden, but it's just not a very straightforward transaction he's got this entire you know kind of landscape where even he's not in control he's trying to see well, how, how things unfold sam i mean like do you, he's clearly tied up in this durant situation right? Right. i mean like that's what's holding him up right and i mean the pacers you know clearing max space is yep. like kind of this wild card that's sitting out there if if, if that would basically sabotage any type of like sign and trade involving him um, well and the pacers have like, been tied to the lakers you know don't forget about the lakers you know buddy Hield pursuit um before you know miles turner is a guy who's who's been on the block for quite some time um i think that is playing a part here and and yeah it's a question of what path do some of these teams want to take um and, and admittedly too many damn moving parts for us to really understand exactly how it's all coming together right now it's also just generally the fact that Aiton is a restricted free agent like yep. restricted guys tend to linger later into the summer because nobody wants to do offer sheets anymore like we've seen over the last i don't know five years or so a trend of instead of guys signing offer sheets Guys say, I, they tell their teams, this is where I want to go and this is the offer that they're making me work out a sign and trade because no team wants to tie up their own cap space for, for, for a few days because they sign a guy to an offer sheet and no other team wants to deal with an offer sheet. It's kind of annoying on both sides. So they agree to a sign and trade and they just get it done immediately uh, and, and then they're good. So it's just, it's a little more like, and then you add the Durant stuff that's in there. You add... Who knows if Utah is a possibility for him now with, um, you know, with with them trading Gobert and, and Indiana has the cap space in order to just Indiana doesn't have to do a sign in trade. They could just do it outright. And there's right. also this complicated stuff because Aiton is is a base year compensation guy, which makes sign in trades for him just really complicated working out the math. Uh, so it's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of elements to that. No, there are. And like I said, I think especially as we all gear up here to go to summer league, um, I think some stuff is, I would assume, is going to start popping when we are out in Vegas. All right, guys, let's take another quick ad break. Um, although now we're going to we're going to have, you know, co-host uh, crowdsourcing. What are we diving into next? We we did not hit on KD. And we haven't the, really gone like full Durant landscape if you want. And then, you know, the Jalen Brunson move feels like we 
could uh, be discussed with Fred Katz. And then an obligatory uh, Kings 41 discussion at the end. How's that sound? <laughs> Maybe more. Maybe more than 40. All right. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Yeah, you're right, Slater. We, you can never do too much to rant considering the magnitude of him as a player and where we're at in the offseason. Um, so continuing on the Durant track here, real quickly, because you already hit on it, my opinion of the Miami situation is I'm not seeing it for some of the reasons you already highlighted. And also, when I wrote this the other day, my understanding is that you know Kevin's interest in playing in Miami not shockingly, is the idea of playing with Jimmy Butler, uh, playing with Adebayo, and, you know, if he could, with Kyle Lowry. That doesn't make a lot of sense if none of those dudes are going back to Brooklyn. And you've got the obstacle of the Bam Adebayo inclusion because the Nets have Ben Simmons. You know, a team cannot have two designated rookie max players uh, that they traded for, and so they would have to trade Ben and get rid of him in order to take on Bam you know, who you could argue is, you know, other than Jimmy. I mean, maybe even beyond Jimmy because of his age is the most, you know, interesting piece that could come Brooklyn's way. So I see nothing but snags and obstacles in the Miami uh, side of things. From there, where do your minds go in terms of teams that at that point would be pursuing him, even though they were not on his list and taking some calculated risk there? Phoenix seems like the favorite. I think Vegas has labeled them the favorite. And I, oh, yeah. I don't hate the deal uh, that they have. And then I've seen Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, like, uh, you know, odds in these, all these markets, these betting markets going down pretty like significantly. Um, they obviously have like, you know, a Scotty Barnes package that they could kind of build it around as far as like, you know, if Brooklyn was just like, we really need like a young top tier talent or so, yeah, you know, they have mid tier pieces that can help a team like Brooklyn who does not have control of their future drafts, stay competitive, you know, a, a Siakam. There's obviously like Van Vliet's out there, Gary Trent, uh, you know, Ananobi has, who's been in a ton of trade rumors. Like, I think that the maneuverability of Toronto's draft uh, or, or just roster construction uh, allows them to be an appealing potential destination. And he has, Katie has shown uh, some love for Toronto in the past. So. Fred, where do you think? I mean, I, I love that Toronto package. I think it all just comes back to how much the Nets care about what KD wants. And I don't know if we know the answer to that in full yet. I mean, he's got four years left on his deal. They don't necessarily have to care about what he wants from any sort of a basketball reason, right? That's Like, there's, a, there's an in-between between sending him to a, a winning organization and a good team like Toronto and just sending him to the worst possible spot out of spite, you know? Um, and and it, it sounds like, you know, when you say, I want to be traded, and here are the two teams, and it has to be these two teams, even though these two teams can't make the best offer, when you don't really have leverage, it's like, you know, I think I think there has to be some sort of working together process on both sides. And let so me, let me yeah. ask you guys, because I'm glad Fred brought that up. Um, there's and I've heard a few people mention it, but like, well, couldn't Brooklyn just say no? Couldn't they just come to the table and go, we don't really like the deals. You're under contract for four seasons. You're 34 years old. You love basketball. I don't think you're going to go Ben Simmons or something and like sit out a year and hold out. Like, no, we're, we're going to build our roster as best we can. We think we have a title contender around you. Come back, play. They could, of course they could. But if you, 
if you look at the at the reporting that's come out of Brooklyn from basically everybody there, it's that they have handled this situation the way they have. You know, the situation with offering Kyrie a new contract and trying to get him to take fewer years and not want to give him everything that he wants and all those sorts of things. And in spite of that, they had to know how this would play out. In spite of it, um, and they did it because they did not want to go through the vast discomfort and general depression that 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 destroyed their organization last year. And I think you could just feel that throughout the organization. Uh, and if that's the reason why you're going through all of this, I just feel like responding that way would be like, okay, well, you're just going to go through that again now. And you just made the situation worse for no reason. Like yeah, if you're I not, I don't see it happening. If, if you're not planning on fixing the culture and you just want to go in on the basketball, then don't pretend like you're going to fix the culture, make the culture worse and then keep the basketball the same. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just don't get the impression that if they're operating this way, that that's something that they would do. Those seem like, you know, actions from two op- opposing mentalities, but another team in a different situation could just be like, yeah, no, we're not trading you. Kevin Durant does not seem like the type of person who would sit. He, number one, loves basketball too much. And number two, I mean, it's different than Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players. He's like a tier one Hall of Famer. Like this is, this is one of his last few years of his prime, you know, like he, he, he has to want to get out there and, and continue to have, you know, he, he, he can still build on a legacy. He has to want to get out there and continue to build on that. Natural segue there, throwing it back to Slater because we did not check this box yet. Um, thoughts on the Durant to the Warriors possibility? I 100% don't see this happening, um, but I did enjoy Marcus's column the other day. There's so many layers to this and this idea that the Warriors, you know, they they get the title on their own in 2015. They fall short in 2016. Draymond calls Durant. You know the rest of the story. He comes to town. They win two titles. You know, there's good, there's bad, there's everything in between. He leaves, you know, they win without him. They're kind of redeemed, if you will. You know, Kevin struggles for three years in Brooklyn, you know, not able to find success without the Warriors trio. There, There is a, you know, a way you can spin this where you say, yeah, it's perfect. Time to tie a bow on it and have them do it together again because now each side understand, you know, understands not only their own worth and their own value, but how how dangerous they can be together. Uh, but what is your actual on-the-ground sense of this prospect? My sense, and, and again, kind of as Marcus reported, like, you know, there's been some level of conversations between players, uh, including, you know, I, as Marcus seemed to report, some phone conversations that included Durant, like, kicking around the idea, but not any, you know, top-level, let's-go-over-potential-packages-to-offer type uh, maneuvers. And I, I think the fact that the Warriors won the title in a lot of ways made it so there isn't as much, you know, behind-the-scenes angst of, let's say they were eliminated in the West Finals and and the, the Curry era was still going, like, come on, we still got a chance to, to, to get a title and maybe, you know, ownership and front office are sitting there going, well, we kind of still want to protect the future, maybe pivot a little bit towards the future. They don't need to do that. They just won a title with this. See, that, that I, I don't know if I feel that, though. Like, I feel like that scenario would would compel them even more so not to do it. Like, you can't have, you know, round two of the Warriors falling short and well, needing to go add Kevin Durant to take Sam, it to the Sam, let's next be level. honest. Like, 
no scenario was I don't think going to make the pivot and actually, particularly from the decision makers in the organization. Well, that's what I top. love about this, though, because let, let's drill down a little bit, because the way the Warriors function is wild. You have, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond have so much capital in the program invested that, you know, they're damn near, you know, kind of unofficial, unofficial members of the front office, at least in terms of their voice. They will always be heard. They will always you know, be part of, of the decision-making process on big things. And, you know, I, I do think part of this is the question of, is history repeating itself? Is Draymond the one who would like to see something like this happen? Is where Steph at? And, and that stuff seems to be surfacing a little bit, and it does make a lot of sense. But again, I, I mean, I go back to Marcus's wording of it, highly unlikely, but, um, but it's super it, intriguing. The players, as you mentioned, have a voice in the room, obviously earned, very earned. Um, but I think different than some other organizations, you know, we're talking about Brooklyn where, where Kyrie and Katie kind of came in and controlled a lot of the situation. Like Joe Lacob will say no to some stuff, you know, Bob, you know, and through Bob Myers, like, like they, you know, they, there was some appeal from those, the players we're talking about to trade some of the young guys. And, and they just like, you know, put the kibosh on that one pretty clearly in the past. And, you know, I'm sitting there at summer league the other day, Joe Lake, as this Kevin Durant rumors kind of bubbling, Joe Lake, I'm sitting there watching Moses Moody, watching Guy Santos and some of these like young guys that he's viewing, you know, 2026, 2027, 2028 Chase Center, which is, you know, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Moody, you know, these guys that he's building this next era. Um, and it's just to pivot back to the past, a past that obviously very unpleasantly ended, uh, you know, kind of both sides. It's just it's so unrealistic to me, considering if you just know the personalities that would have to have the final green light stamp to, to get something like this done. You know what I'm curious about? I I can't wait to learn. At some point, we'll, we'll know. Because Kevin Durant, when he talks on the record, is usually pretty honest. At some point, we're going to know. Like, I just want to know what Kevin Durant wants. Like, we, when he left Oklahoma City to go to Golden State, he did it because he wanted to get a ring. And that gave him the best chance to get a ring, right? And then when he was there, he got criticized for... You know, front running, right? So he leaves there. He goes to Brooklyn to kind of build his own thing. He and Kyrie go there. He's clearly the number one guy. He's the guy they build around. He's the guy they build up. That crashes and burns. So what's he want now? Because the two teams that we hear that he wants, Miami and Phoenix, both had the best records in their respective conferences <laughs> right. last year. So is he going back to just jumping, jumping onto the best team again? Is that why he wants to go there? Are there other reasons that those were on his list? Like, I just... I want to know what Kevin Durant wants. And at some point, whenever he talks, he he will tell us because someone will ask. And I'm just so curious to know where his head is at with, with all this because we can speculate and we can speculate the reasons why, but we just don't know. And I, I just would love to know that. Well, and it is funny how today's day and age too, I mean, you say we'll wait for him to talk. He's been talking a, a little bit during this. He's got his own pod like a lot of guys do you know, and, and broke down the Kyrie situation a little bit on his pod, but it's a controlled environment, right? Where he's going to just sit there with the mic and deciding what to say, what not to say. So that one, we will see where it goes next. Before we get out of here, guys, I do want your thoughts on, um, well, we'll do Lakers Kings real quick on the Lakers front, you know, and I could be wrong. I keep saying it. I think eventually Kyrie's in a Lakers Jersey. And so as we break down the loaded West and, and decide what we think of everybody, 
we don't know all the periphery pieces, but the mere Does idea. Does that mean you think Russell Westbrook's in a Brooklyn Nets jersey? I mean, I don't have a great sense of the Nets and how they see that situation. If they get two first and Russ, you know, like you said earlier, they they need to be competitive because they don't control their draft. But then, my God, Ben Simmons playing with Russell Westbrook is a train wreck. So are they are they waving him? No, what are they doing? That's a situation for Kevin Durant right there. My Lord, yeah. So I, I don't know how it all ends up going down, but it seems to be the way the wind is going in terms of just the, what people think. Um, so it's a, it's a big if, capital I, capital F. But if Kyrie is in a Lakers jersey, then um, we got Kyrie LeBron, Anthony Davis, who's going to have a ton of motivation to have a bounce back year. Um, you know, where do they fall in the West? I didn't like their summer. I don't like the rest of their roster construction, really. Um, but you know, those three, you're in the picture. I think you're, you know, down in that Minnesota Timberwolves trying to bust past the play-in range. Um, but you're better than you were yesterday if you have Kyrie Irving tomorrow. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think that made sense. Um, but, <laughs> that, that made about um, as much sense I, as you putting them down in the play-in with LeBron, AD, and Kyrie. I mean, they had LeBron, AD last year and, like, didn't even make the play-in. Right. Uh, I mean, they were with the Kings but down there. But you got like Kyrie 12, Irving so. full-time. Full-time. You well, do you? I mean, well, if you do, if you do, let me throw it back that yeah, way. If and, you do, and if Anthony Davis has a healthy, productive season, which you know has been a struggle recently, if LeBron James can stay on the court for for a large chunk of games, which you know as he really gets older has been a, you know a task for him. The the reality is like you know we're not talking about mid prime any of these guys so i mean Kyrie, while it's like somewhat prime age like we've seen what the last few seasons have been for him so uh i just there's not to me a trust level to believe in in an 82 game regular season they're like a top three seed and in, in contending status now while i do like them more with Kyrie than russell westbrook obviously indeed indeed all right we're up against the slater clock here as i do that i'm hitting the video the audio might be coming through this is the first time i've watched it a king's fan Leaves summer league. Stick with me, folks. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. All right. So this video is pretty rich. These fans are leaving summer league and he just looks dead in the camera. All these dudes are going, going aggro on the, the, the guy holding the phone and he just screams, we're getting 40 wins this year. So long, you know, exhausting stretch for Kings fans. Uh, interesting off season. Uh, I, I like the Malik Monk addition a lot. Uh, explains why they let Dante DiVincenzo walk, um, get him for, I think, two years, 19 million. I like it because De'Aaron Fox is just, I've been a bit of a, a cynic about his ability to get to the next level, and they're trying to find all kinds of nuanced ways to, to you know, to get him there. I think putting him next to his guy that he was with at Kentucky, uh, who's coming off a good year with the Lakers. Is smart and I think is going to change the the mood in the locker room a little bit. The Kevin Herter trade, you know, I certainly understand why they did it. I think you know he could fit in nicely. You look at him, and I keep saying locally here, I'm much more interested in watching this team than I was watching the one last year. They're going to be fun to watch, but you know, is, is that Kings fan wrong? Is the over under 40 wins? Like, what does this team look like? 
Vegas will probably set it under 40. I think right. like that's what was funny. They're like so hyped. And then it was like a pretty reasonable take like 40 wins. You're like, yeah, 40 and 42. Like that'd be solid. You might be able to edge into the play in with that record. Um, and I actually Fred, saw it was another like, Kings. It was like a lesser. It was like a bing bong moment for Kings fans. But they were. It was. <laughs> big, bing bong was depressing. And that was another. Look, <laughs> hey, they say 40 wins and we say reasonable. Sam, I'm sure you're aware of this one. The Kings haven't won 40 games since 2006. So that, yeah. that's those are high heights for Kings fans going 40 and 42, <laughs> just being slightly worse than me. There was another Kings fan who did a like video off of that that was funny. I mean, I'm sure people can find it online, but he was like, What you mean 40? We want 50. You know, and he was like getting into it. Uh so I don't know. I kind of like you said, should be kind of a fun team. What, what's what's interesting to me? I mean, we know Mike Brown comes in with like this defensive pedigree, and uh, you know, part of like a main reason he was hired is because of what he has been able to do historically. You know, when he was a head coach with defenses, but also last season with the Warriors as their defensive coordinator, this is going to be a difficult task for him. If he can get them defending even reasonably, they should be able to score. But tough Western Conference. No doubt, no doubt. All right, guys, with that, I will bid you adieu. Appreciate you. Appreciate the listeners. As always, maybe next week after, I mean, first of all, I get to see y'all in person in Vegas, although I just saw Slater at our little 4th of July bash here in the neighborhood. That was fun. Sorry, Fred. A little far for you to, to make that trip, brother. But we'll see you in Vegas, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. That trade, that very young trade yesterday. Young trade yesterday.